With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Podcast Network, Stick to Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Tamanini, and on Stick to Sports, we do talk about Ohio State athletics, but more often than not, we avoid the X's and O's of said sports and dive into what's going on around the periphery of the games, as well as whatever is keeping us occupied and entertained in between. This week, literally, we're going to be talking about the stuff that is happening around the periphery of the games, because that's what's happening in the stands, and sometimes on both sides of the stands. But before we dive into that, I want to bring in our West Coast Bureau Chief, Jamie Urich. Jamie, I feel like I have not watched Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy recently enough to really understand what is going on in college football Spygate 2.0. Uh, but I feel like I'm going to have to bone up on my lock hooray before I uh, really get into it. But we are talking about Michigan's just utterly buffoonish. <laughs> Uh, spying situation here. I wish you could see the mustache twirling like laugh that I let out. <laughs> uh, it's so good. So we're recording on Wednesday. It is just shortly after the Washington Post story has has been published. So we really haven't had a chance to dive into that super deeply. Um, we'll get into just kind of like the basics of it. But Jamie. What is your feeling about all of this as an Ohio State alum, as an Ohio State fan, just on a purely emotional level, taking out all of the actual analysis of what did or did not happen? What are the feelings that you have about this whole hollabaloo? Okay, so I am, as you all know, I'm a petty person. Like, my favorite part of sports is the chaos and the pettiness. And... First and foremost, I think that Michigan is the best football team in the Big Ten this year on talent alone. And so the absolute pleasure that it would bring me to have them lose out on a playoff opportunity, lose out on all of these things because of their own stupidity 
is just the most beautiful, poetic thing imaginable. And I want nothing more than for that to happen. Yeah, I like, I mean, we're we're joking. We've both said it like, you know, calling it stupid, but like they did get two Big Ten titles and two college football playoff bursts out of it. So maybe they aren't as dumb as we think they are. Although how obvious it was. Will they get vacated? Probably, but you know, vacating games, it's like vacating games is stupid because we all saw them. We know what happened. This is a little different than like Ohio State losing out on final four spots because like Boban Savovich like got some extra benefits. So like this is different. Like this is actual legitimate integrity of the game cheating stuff. But like we know they happened. So like they went. They're not like they're not taking away like the memories of going. But it's just I mean it's 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 hilarious. I've written articles at Land Grant Holy Land about like I actually enjoy Jim Harbaugh, not as a human being, because I think he's an absolute toad, but just as like a point of entertainment because he's just so weird that like there's always something to laugh at. This is like the epitome of that. The dude is like allocating $15,000 a season for his staffers, including apparently student interns to go to games of uh, of upcoming opponents to steal their signs like how dumb and and childish is that like it is so perfectly emblematic of who Jim Harbaugh is as a human being yes i also shout out to my cousin john um and my lantern friends are absolutely laughing that i've talked about my cousins in all of these podcasts today because that is like a running gag um, that I have so many cousins, but my cousin, John, when I left for Ohio state said to me, and he was so serious that there are two rules when you go to college. The first rule is don't get caught. And the second rule is when you get caught, be smart about being stupid. Meaning like, don't try to lie your way out of it. If people already have all the information kind of a thing. Um, and I feel like in this particular case, Jim Harbaugh might break both rules in one fell swoop. Um, and that to me is <laughs> just so delightful. Like he's he's really just going to throw both of John's rules out the window and they've served me well in life. So um, I think that a lot of teams in college football cheat in some capacity. I don't think it's like, stealing sign kind of cheating i think it's like when we think when we look back on tattoo gate right like every school in the country is doing things like that if your program is big enough um every single one of them um ohio state just happened to be the ones that got caught and i feel differently about those kind of scandals than i do about something that affects the outcomes of games potentially um i don't know i just this is just it's hilarious to me i'm gonna i'm gonna ride this eye for a long time yeah it's interesting that your cousin had a rule like that because in my family we have a mantra that has been passed down from my great-grandfather to my father and now to us and that is and this is not unique to us this is you hear this other places but it is if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. 
and obviously we don't necessarily live our life by that mantra, but like if there's an advantage to be had, especially in a competition like this, you take it. Um, the difference is here. Like, okay. So I was a baseball player. I played baseball through high school. I was a catcher. Um, one of my things was when I was on the bench, uh, like when we were batting, I was always assigned to watch the opposing third base coach because for whatever reason I could pick up on signs, stealing signs in and of itself in football in baseball in whatever sport is not bad. Like, in fact, like that's why there are signs because if stealing signs wasn't a thing, they wouldn't make them complicated. The difference is <laughs> Michigan violated like a dozen different rules in doing so by doing it in person advanced scouting, which is against the rules by videotaping opposing sidelines. That's against the rules. And that in it, 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 what what is great to me, and I want to get into the fans reaction because that's a whole nother thing and he goes like the hogan's heroes like i know nothing i see nothing like he just pretending harbaugh's just pretending like he has no knowledge of what's going on like that is so ludicrous the more layers get pulled out it's just funny like like you said just admit yeah we were doing something we got caught what are you going to do about it and challenge them because they're going to get all the information and it's only going to get worse the more they uncover, if you just say yes, it takes away their, their, their firepower. If you just admit to it, if you know you're caught, just tell them. But I love the flailing around that the coaching staff is doing that Michigan is going to have to do. Like we're recording on Wednesday. I have legitimate doubts that Jim Harbaugh will ever coach another game at Michigan. Like I'm not going to put money on that, but like, I would not be surprised if Tomorrow, we get an announcement that Jim Harbaugh has been put on administrative leave pending investigation. Do you think that there's actually a chance of that happening? Yeah. And then I think they'll just let their, um, they'll continue to let their students like coach the team like they did through the first three games of the <laughs> season. Oh my God. Can you imagine what kind of like shirts they'll wear to pregame and like what stupid ass formations they'll do in honor of him? Like, God, they're just so annoying. I just like, I'm so whatever hanging from the side of the frat houses on Saturday is going to make me want to like yank my hair out. You just know, like, that's the kind of thing that the frat houses are going to put signs up and they're going to be obnoxious about it. Yes, it yes, absolutely is going to be obnoxious because it's an obnoxious world. It's an obnoxious place up in Ann Arbor. But speaking of obnoxious. You and I are both very well aware of the fact that Ohio State fans can be obnoxious in their own right. I'm so glad to be one of us because otherwise I would hate us. Yeah, we talked about this last week. Like, there are so many of us that the law of large numbers dictates that there are going to be some that are terrible. The difference between Ohio State fans and Michigan fans are is that we are like salt of the earth college football asshats they are holier than thou pompous pricks and this is where we are seeing that come out more than ever before we have seen them bitch and moan about everybody else cheats 
And that's why they couldn't win games. Justin Fields takes online classes. That is so uh, beneath the pale. It would never happen at Michigan. Like they just complain about everything being unfair because they are the epitome of what integrity looks like in college football, only to know that they only got good by cheating. And the fact that they are now trying to bend over backwards to explain it all away is laughable. It's laughable, like both in the you're an idiot and this is stupid laughable, but also in the fact that like I'm literally laughing at them, Jamie. It's hilarious. Like the um, and here's the thing. So I was at the Lantern. I was not involved in the writing of, of the pieces at all, but I was at the Lantern when Tattoo Gate happened. And pretty much the approach was like, yes, we did this. And so does everyone else. And it just like OSU fans are not stupid enough to think that we're that it could never happen here. Like it it can, it does. We just don't get caught, or when we do, like it is what it is. But the Michigan fans get up on it's the same reason that I hate Notre Dame fans, actually. Um, it's the holier than thou piece or the like we're smarter, we're our team is actually better and life is just unfair, all this stuff. Like, no, it's not. We've lost to Michigan the last few years. We might lose to you again this year because I think you're probably a better football team on paper. But like, it, stop, like, stop with the pity party. You cheated, you got caught, deal with it. You know what we did when OSU got banned from bowl games because of the Rose Bowl rings? We went to the Big Ten Championship in our OSU stuff, just people to remind everyone that they were there by default. So when OSU <laughs> loses to Michigan, gets you. into the top four by default, Michigan fans, if they had half a brain cell or were any fun at all, would show up to the game in their Michigan stuff and remind us that they gift wrapped it for us. That's funny. That's what they should be doing, but they won't. They're just going to whine and cry. Yeah, it's uh, they're the worst. They're the literal worst um, in this respect, at least. I think the fans that Ohio State is going to have to play against this weekend, also the worst in another aspect. But that's something for a conversation maybe later in the show. But this whole thing is just funny to me. Like we can break down what did or didn't happen. I think at this point, anybody with a non-biased brain understands that they did all of this. Like they they did go to games. They did film. They did use them during the games. And whether or not like that is really something that's punishable by a severe penalty or not, we don't really know because there is no precedent for this in NCAA history, but it's pretty bad Um, whether or not it, it really matters. Who knows? But just by the sheer comedic value of who it is as the head coach, what program it is, what fan base it involves, like all of this feels like. It's a script. I mean, look, the WGA is is off of strike. You are very close to a WGA writer. Maybe he could have penned something more apropos, but I really, really doubt it. Well, he hates football, so probably not. I know. <laughs> yeah, we, we talked about that last week, but that's 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 his loss. But um, anyway, any final thoughts on Spygate 2.0 here, Jamie? No, I think um, I'm just I'm going to laugh about this until the end of time. Oh, 
funniest things. We do have something else we have to talk about. We forgot. Because one of the best things about this is all of the conspiracy theories that Michigan fans are now throwing out that somehow Ryan Day hired an FBI agent to dig this stuff up or to plant it, all of this stuff. And as we were talking about before we were recording, we started talking about conspiracy theories. And do we want to get into uh, to what's the, what, what's his what's his name? Lucifer. OK, Lucifer. I, I forgot. I'm sorry. So. I think like the 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 message board MGO blog readers and writers and contributors are very much the same people that believe every kooky conspiracy theory QAnon thing out there, including and probably at the top of their list, the fact that the Denver International Airport is also the secret underground bunker for the new world order. And when the, the world is bombed into an oblivion, the, the Illuminati or whatever are going to be housed there. And you could find all of this information out based off of the murals. And as Jamie said, the giant ass horse out there called Lucifer. So I was aware of the horse, Jamie, but you are like obsessed with this horse apparently. Yeah. So I'm, really obsessed with the Denver airport because I just think that as Matt said, there are a lot of conspiracy theories around it. I have weirdly spent a lot of time there. Um, It is a very common layover place for trips between LA and Chicago. Um, And it's one of my favorite airports because there are a lot of like local brewing companies and things like that inside. So I love a long layover at Denver because I feel like I get to kind of taste the city find all the local spots within the airport because it's so enormous and then leave. Um, and while I've spent all this time in the Denver airport, I've done all, all this reading about the different conspiracy theories around the airport. But my favorite one is Lucifer. His, the actual name of the artwork is just Mustang. Um, but he's kind of known colloquially as Lucifer because he is a giant 32 foot blue horse um, whose eyes are red and at night light up red. So it looks demonic. Um, There are so, so many conspiracy theories about it, including one that the horse was cursed um, and that prior to its installation, there were like all of these kind of red flags that it was not a good idea. And ultimately, um, the artist, while he was sculpting the horse, um, died in his studio because a giant chunk of the horse came loose, fell on him, severed an artery in his leg, and he bled to death. Okay, so Um, this is this is this is not a conspiracy theory. That is actual fact, right? That actually happened. And so the theories are around this horse being cursed in large part because people believe he is meant to symbolize the horsemen of the apocalypse, which all then goes back to this idea that the Denver airport is a bunker for the Illuminati. Um, And so people really love the connection of like him being an apocalypse horse with the idea that the Denver airport is where the Illuminati are going when the world ends. Um, What a lot of people don't know about Lucifer is that there are actually 
many mini, mini Lucifers um, around the country, including one at the University of Oklahoma that is just housed in their public collection. The mini ones are eight feet tall um, and they're black instead of blue, but they are essentially the like fiberglass models that the artist created. The artist's name is Luis Jimenez. Um, that the artist created prior to building Lucifer. They were the trial runs as far as like the architecture of the sculpture. So as an expert on this particular conspiracy theory, Jamie, when the world is potentially coming to an end, which hallway or elevator or escalator do we get to the underground bunker for? Um, I don't know because I won't be in the underground bunker. I'm going to be riding Lucifer. <laughs> What if Lucifer is actually the bunker? Then I'm safe because I will be riding Lucifer. Okay. And if there's a way to climb in, then I'm then I'm Trojan horsing it. There you go. Trojan horsing yourself through the apocalypse with the Illuminati, Beyonce and uh uh and and Gwyneth Paltrow will be there right along your side. Can't wait. Let's take a real quick break. <laughs> um and then we're gonna talk about Another topic related to Ohio State football that will come into play this weekend that is as much off the field as it is on. All right, welcome back to Stick to Sports here on the Land Grant Podcast Network. Jamie, Ohio State will travel to Madison, Wisconsin this weekend for a primetime matchup against the Wisconsin Badgers, coached by not only former Ohio State player, but also former Ohio State defensive coordinator and former Ohio State interim coach Luke Fickle. It is the first time that Ohio State will will take on Luke Fickle as the head coach in a Big Ten program. I, I wanted to kind of just get a real quick vibe check on you about where you are about your thoughts on Luke Fickle. As you said, you were at the Lantern uh, during Tattoo Gate. So I, I, were you the editor-in-chief of the Lantern during his interim season? Uh, I was, yes. That was my okay. senior year. Um, so, yeah. So what are your thoughts on How do you feel now that he is on the sideline of a different Big Ten school? I would die for Luke Fickle. I love him. He was thrown into a situation that absolutely no person alive would have wanted to be thrown into. He was not set up for success. He was down several players and a bunch of scholarship money. And he was replacing an absolutely beloved head coach who was removed from his position under what I would say at the time was controversial rationale. And certainly nowadays in retrospect is kind of controversial rationale. Um, I love him and I love that he has a head coaching job. Um, do I know that he's the right person for the job at Wisconsin? No, I don't know that, but I'm happy to see him be successful. If you don't know if he's the right guy for Wisconsin, what are your thoughts about him potentially succeeding Ryan Day whenever he either decides to leave Columbus or when it is decided that he will leave Columbus? Um, I think, I 
think I would need to see a little bit more in the like I think I would need to see a little bit more before I can make a judgment call um based on what I've seen so far from him at Wisconsin like I, I, I don't I don't think that's correct actually what I think would be what I think would have been like maybe the most appropriate fit would be like a Northwestern where I think he could kind of build a pretty bad program into like a decent program. I don't know if he's going to be a coach that wins national championships. Okay. Fair enough. I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's accurate, um, but I would die for him. And so I want things for him. And I think, um, I think he could be really successful at a school where like the bar was low and then he kind of got to surprise everybody. I think that's totally fair. All right. So let's dive into our recommendations this week. Jamie still on strike, uh, with the, uh, the SAG after, uh, union is still on strike. So whether or not we're going to break our strikes with these is up in the air. So we'll get into that here in a second. I think you probably are less likely to do that than I am, but Oh no, I'm breaking it. Okay, good. I don't feel as bad about breaking it, but, uh, okay. So what are you recommending this week? I think everyone should go see killers of the flower moon. Um, I I can't. I just can't, what Jamie. What do you mean you can't? What is your reason? It's a three and a half hour movie about a true crime story. And I just, I, nothing about true crime. Full disclosure, I used to work in true crime. And now the place that I used to work has now become like this ground zero of like toxic true crime gossip, which... If you don't know what I'm talking about, good for you. If you want to know more about it, go on Reddit and look up Obsessed Fest. There you go. You're welcome. I haven't worked there in over two years, almost almost two years. But anyway, um, I just I just true crime does nothing for me. I'm not interested. Like, I know there's a ton of really great people in it, but like, I don't know that I can sit there for three and a half hours and watch that, especially when I know that there are a lot of indigenous people who find it problematic so i i don't know i just i nothing about it interests me so interesting the all of the interviews and the things that i've read uh, um with people who especially the ones who consulted on the movie did say like this is very much a movie about something that happened in the osage nation or to the osage nation that is told in a way that will make sense to white people. Like this is a white man's movie about something that we all grew up knowing because it's really the only way like to tell this story and preserve it for at a large, for a larger audience. Um, Makes sense. So, but it, it seems like from everything that I have read. And again, I, these are, this is coming from indigenous sources and like, let's be very clear. Indigenous people are not a monolith. People are going to have different opinions. So I'm sure that there are some indigenous people who are very upset about the film um, for many reasons, one of which might be what I just mentioned. um, And others seem to be very, uh, feeling very positive about the due diligence that Marty seemed to do. Um, I know a lot, a lot, a lot of indigenous people were employed on the film. um, Yes. And that's you know and 
he he did go out of his way to well he didn't go out of he, i don't want to say i don't feel like you should be praised for doing the bare minimum so i'm not going to say he like went out of his way if you're writing a store a film about an indigenous story then you should be hiring indigenous consultants to help you with that and they should be paid a lot of money to do that um which it sounds like he did but that's a bare minimum thing but um it didn't didn't feel like a true crime movie like it is but in the same way that like you could argue that goodfellas is a true crime movie but it doesn't feel like listening to a true crime podcast it has a different vibe I, I believe you, uh, and I'll probably watch it when it's on Apple TV+. Plus. I can't imagine going and sitting in a movie theater for this, um, but I'm sure it's great. I would I'm have sure watched a, five uh, more hours of it if someone had let me. You and I also have very different, I think, appreciations of cinema, that I, I think. Like, you are a very cultured, like, you go and see movies, including classic movies, like, multiple times a week. I I basically go to the movie theater for like Marvel movies and that's the only thing I go see. So uh, we just, we both have very different approaches to our, our movie theater going experiences, which probably plays into this quite a bit as well. Totally. I think if you're a Scorsese fan, then this is probably, then you probably have already seen it or you it's on your radar. Um, if you're not a Scorsese fan, it might not be the film for you, but I think he's our greatest living filmmaker. And so uh, I was seated. I don't think that I could have more appropriately picked something as a recommendation to drive home the point that you and I want different things out of our movies than I have picked because last Friday, Friday, October 20th, was the start of my favorite time of year. Hallmark's Countdown to Christmas. Yes, Hallmark will be premiering 40 original holiday films every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday through the end of the year, or maybe till Christmas. I'm not exactly sure of the last date. Um, They are uniformly average at best, but I don't care. I love them. I love the good ones. I love the bad ones. I love all of them. I love the coziness of them. I love the simplicity of them. I love the fact that I can tune into one while I am working, not pay a lick of attention for 10 to 15 minutes, look over at the TV and then know exactly what's going on. Uh, I love the fact that I get to see a lot of the same stars over and over again, playing the same character, basically just with a different name. Like, I, I love everything about them. Again, your mileage may vary on some of them, but I watch every single one of them. I don't venture into the um, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries Miracles of Christmas slate uh, nearly that much. But Countdown to Christmas on the Hallmark Channel, I will watch all of them. I've I got two of the first three down already. And I'm halfway through the third one. So I, I love it. I did every year over at my day job at the streamable.com. I do a roundup of all of these type of types of movies. Um, I, I will put that in as my recommendation, but I've got all of the movies from Amazon freebie, BET plus Disney plus great American family, which I do not recommend. They are a bunch of bigots over there. Um, all of the hallmark, different outlets, Hulu, lifetime, Netflix, own prime video, the Roku channel up TV, all of them. And there's more that I need to add in that have just been uh, announced. So I love me a good Hallmark movie, Jamie. I know it's not Nora Ephron, but I feel like it's Nora Ephron light. It's Nora Ephron adjacent. It's like people who aren't as talented as Nora Ephron trying to follow in Nora Ephron's shoes. 
So I, I, I hope that there's at least some warmth in your heart for these kind of films. Um, here's the thing. Here's what I will say about like our recommendations and our polar opposite opinions of like cinema as an art form. Um, like, listen, I, I, I can, I can hang with a Hallmark movie. Um, I love a cheesy Christmas film. I don't, I'll watch like one a season, but I, I do enjoy them for what they are. If you and my mom ever spent any like extended period of time (laughs) together she would she watches them year round they bring her so much joy she knows what she's getting and so for the for our wonderful listeners who um find that my taste is too like i don't know i don't know if it's actually snobbish yeah like highbrow and you just kind of want something that you're going to like kick back, you know what to expect. It's going to, you're going to be happy when you're done. Matt's suggestion is the way to go. It's working for my mom. Yeah. And to be fair, I watch all of the Hallmark movies year round as well. Um, But I just especially love the, the holiday ones. Most of them are Christmas, but they do sneak in a, uh, uh, a Jewish one, a Hanukkah one now, and then they've had a Kwanzaa one as well. And, uh, and some other different things last year, they actually had a Hanukkah one that starred somebody that we talked about on last week's episode, the voice of a generation, Jeremy Jordan. He starred in a Hanukkah one along with Yael Grobglas from Jane, the Virgin. They, they played, um, the offspring of rival Jewish bakery owners. So, uh, that was always a what that was is, a fun one too. What is the trope in like the Jewish version? You know how like in the in the Christmas ones they always like run a tree farm or like a ski chalet. What's the what's the what's the vibe? I I I mean they're all different obviously, but they but they're 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 variations on the Christmas theme. Like I feel like one of them was a Hanukkah one where they had like a secret admirer, a secret, you know, a secret love interest that would give them a different gift on each Hanukkah night. There is literally a, a Christmas movie, a Hallmark Christmas movie that is the same thing just with the 12 days of Christmas. So like, it's basically that same thing. And the, the one with Jeremy Jordan and Yael Groblas was basically, they were rival, Jewish deli, Jewish uh, um, bakery owner families, which is the same as every other Christmas one. We're like, we've got rival restaurants, rival bakeries, and our Christmas pie is better than your Christmas pie. Like, it's the exact same things just taken from Christmas to Hanukkah. So nothing unique about them other than the fact that rather than red and green, they're blue and white. Okay. I can get down with that. Yeah. This year, hold on, let me see here. Uh, the the Hanukkah one is called Round and Round. I'm assuming that is a dreidel reference. It stars Rick Hoffman, Brian Greenberg, and Vic. Brian Greenberg? Yes, Brian Greenberg, who Jake is... Jagelski in One Tree Hill, my king, my prince. Yes. Sign me up. Say no more. Say no more. Yep. Brian Greenberg is in it, as is 
Rick Hoffman, who was um, one of the stars of what is now apparently the most popular show in the universe, Suits. He was he played Lewis on Suits. So um, he is in this one as well. So uh, they get good names. Like actually the one coming up this Saturday stars a friend of mine, uh, stars uh, Broadway's own Patty Murin. So she's in this. She's been in a number of them as has has her husband, uh, Colin Donnell. She's starring opposite. Um, she's actually the, the, the sidekick friend in this one. She had her own where she was the lead in one last year, but she's in one with Jesse Schramm, who was on one of the Chicago med shows or one of the Chicago shows, which, which Patty and her husband, Colin were both on as well. So just good, good stuff. Good, nice stuff. It's, I, I feel the same way about this as I do like the voice, which I watch religiously as well as with baking shows that are not great British bake off because that I watch intently every week, but like, it's something I can put on, not have to pay too much attention to, but still enjoy. And like, can like come in when I have to, to get the gist of what I've missed. Now I need to be really clear with our listeners. I cannot in good conscience condone watching Christmas movies until at least November 1st. Like I'm a spooky season girly and we are in you're now you're, encroaching on spooky season like i've never wanted to egg a house so badly in my life as i did when we were looking at spooky houses this weekend and one of the houses in what is like kind of known in la as the spooky neighborhood um because everyone decorates for halloween one house had put up their christmas lights they had little like twinkle light reindeer all over their front yard and i wanted to egg their house so badly it's spooky season you can have no starting november 1st i don't care what you do but Right now, it's my time to shine. Um, And so I do feel like our wonderful listeners should wait a week. (laughs) What if those twinkly light reindeers had red lights for their eyes and were like the blucifer of reindeers? What what, what could that be? I am on board. Actually, your ideas. Okay. That way you can kind of do both. And I think that that yeah, kind of works. And we can, that's a happy medium. I like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's what we do. We are here to reach across the aisle at Stick to Sports. Except for Michigan fans. <laughs> yeah, except for Michigan fans because they're the worst. All right, everybody, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Stick to Sports. If you want to follow us on your podcast platform of choice, we would love for you to do it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your daily dose of audio goodness. You can follow us on social media at LandGrant33. You can follow me at Matt. You can follow Jamie at Jamie Urich, J-A-M-I-J-U-R-I-C-H. Thanks again for listening. We will talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.